North Carolina cannot build on the momentum they gained at home on Saturday against Clemson. They have now lost four of five, and it's right back to the drawing board. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day, I guess. It's time for another therapy session. Feels like we've been doing these ad nauseum lately, doesn't it? Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to unpack the game, including my Four Corners recap, the shady stat of the game. We are going to celebrate something awesome that happened in Carolina sports on Monday. But first, um, we need to recognize that sometimes life comes before sport. And such was the case on Monday night as in the wake of this game, in the aftermath of it, we learned of yet another shooting in our country, this time on the campus of Michigan State University. It's got to end, folks. We have to do something. Uh, three people dead. As, as of this recording, we know of three who are dead, five in the hospital, some with life-threatening conditions and we know that the shooter himself when confronted by police ended up taking his own life senseless i just don't get it lord have mercy uh we we can do better and we have to um man um and and there's just no, no good way to segue out of that other than than to just keep going. And, and so that's what we're going to do because that's why we're here. Here's, here's the biggest takeaway for me from this Miami game. Carolina still is yet to learn how to sustain success, sustain success. Carolina is yet to learn how to grow in their prosperity. Carolina is yet to learn how to build on what they've done over and over and over again. It's like they can't get out of their own way as they lose this game to Miami 80 to 72. I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, this game turned early in the second half. Um, after an initial push from Miami, Carolina responded to that and closed it back to the one point deficit that the game was at halftime. And then at that point, uh, there were two Caleb Love free throws, got it to 39, 38, 17, 15 left on the clock. By the time we got to 11:36, Miami was up by 14 after a 15 to 2 run, and that was it. Carolina, you know, got close in the closing seconds. I think that it was as close as four, but it never really felt like there was. I mean, it's kind of like that Wake Forest game last week. Too little, too late, and uh, you didn't wake up in time. So the biggest example of what went wrong for me in this one is shot selection. And it's tough because Carolina was kind of goaded into taking the exact shots that Miami wanted them to. Yikes. Because when were the Tar Heels most successful in this game? Anyone remember? Hands up. Yes, uh, you in the back. It was when Norchette O'Meara was on the bench with two fouls in the back half of the first half. That's absolutely right. Why? Because Carolina was able to get into the lane pretty much at will. RJ Davis and Caleb Love, it was a thing of beauty. 
Uh, Seth Trimble even did so when he checked in. He didn't finish, but got right to the lane. The the team wasn't settling. Um, Armando was was more active, was more capable of getting into position and then getting entry passes from his teammates. Um, and and I know that Norchetto Mir is a strong dude, but he gives up many inches to Baycott. I, I just, you know, obviously we're not out there. I'm not playing the game. So, so I don't totally get it. But um, before he was out in the first half, in that second half when he was back in, Carolina just looked straight up bamboozled. <laughs> they, they just looked lost. Like they didn't know what to do offensively. On, on ball screen action, it was very similar to how Virginia just shows so hard and so quick and so heavy. O'Neal for a big, burly dude uh, is fast and quick. So he would get out and show and quick quickly stop the ball handler's momentum or push him um, out towards the sidelines or back towards half court. And then Carolina couldn't get any good action going, rolling off of that because of, of that hard um, show Uh, Carolina, the, the ball handlers couldn't find their way to the lane. And so Carolina just would pass around the perimeter a couple times and ultimately hoist up a three. Now that's not every possession. I'm overly and grossly generalizing, but you get the point. It's Carolina was taken out of what they wanted to do and didn't have an answer. And that bad shot selection was exactly what Miami was trying to get Carolina to do. They're trying to force not good offense and it worked. It worked. So summary North Carolina couldn't navigate Miami's defense, so they settled for threes all night long. And consequently, a guy who didn't play a lot of the first half was the most impactful player to me in this whole game, Norchad O'Meara, of he and his five points. Kind of like what happened against Derek Lively and Duke, right? Uh, it's Nigel Pack who had 23 and, you know, th- these kind of things. No, nope. most impactful player was Norchad O'Meara to me in this game. Because, again, what it forced Carolina to do was take a great many of their shots from beyond the arc. Now, it wasn't the majority, but it was very close to it. 31 three-point attempts, 35 two-point attempts. Keep in mind, the way Carolina... Like, I, I hear some of you screaming at me through the phone. Well, Shade, where were you at on Saturday when they made 15 out of 33? You were pretty pleased with that. Yeah, I was, because they were going down. If the shot's not fallen you got to eventually come to a point where you say, okay, let's try something else a little bit. And it was working very well for a while. And so what happened on Saturday, remember that was the aberration. That was just the fourth time making double digit threes this season. What happened against Miami? That's more who this Carolina team is. You could look at the box score, quite frankly, and you could say, man, Carolina just didn't make enough threes to win this game. Five out of 31. My problem isn't that they didn't make too many. It's that they took too many. Finished season uh, 5 of 31, again, 16.1% in a season of bad three-point shooting. That was the lowest percentage of the season. On the other hand, Carolina shot 68.6% inside the lane on twos. So again, I say, it's not that Carolina didn't hit enough threes. It's that they took too many. You, You take... 10 of those out and turn them into twos of which you make 60 of closer to 70. That's six or seven more points in this game, which makes a big difference in a game that you um, lost by eight. 
So, you know, I'm just saying. And keep in mind, it's not like Miami went nuts from deep either. They only had six threes themselves. But guess what? They only took 13. Carolina took 31. And Miami was 20 of 43 from two. So all of that means, are you ready for this? Because it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful and it's going to sting. Carolina made more twos than Miami, but attempted eight fewer twos than Miami. Miami made more threes than Carolina, but took 18 less three-pointers. And and this is a problem season long. When this team isn't hitting from outside, which Carolina struggled with clearly and obviously from what we're saying, which again has been more the rule than the exception this season, teams just sag off of dudes and it's like, go ahead, Pete, shoot, go ahead, Leaky, shoot. We're just going to hedge our bets against crowding Armando Baycott and not letting the ACC preseason player of the year hurt us. So then the question becomes, you got, or the, the, the problem becomes, what are you going to do to get defenders away from Mondo? Well, I think the, the easiest solution is you got to get more shooting on the floor. But the problem is, where does that come from? And who is it? And what are you giving up defensively to get that shooting? You're not subbing RJ out. You're not subbing Caleb out. You're not subbing Leaky out because he is, there goes every defensive advantage you have. Look at what he did to Isaiah Wong. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And you're not subbing out Armando because that's why you're trying to get this shooting on the floor so that Mondo can stay on the floor and be effective. So it's got to be Pete or it's got to be the four position where you get more shooting. And so it's, you know, the refrain that's been going this weekend is we'll put Puff in the starting lineup. Well, great. Puff was one for six from the field and 0 for four from three in this one. That's not going to happen every game, but it did in this one. Pete, you know, he was one for four, one for five from the field, 0 for three from three. So, I mean, neither one of them really did much. What about Jalen? Well, he's going to hit threes eventually, but he's not made one yet in his career. Um, what, what about putting leaky at the four and maybe you could go Tyler nickel or DeMarco Dunn. I mean, even that gets you some shooting. It can't be Trimble. He's not a shooter at this point. And so, um, if he and leaky are out on the court at the same time, you just don't have that much shooting. And so, it's, it's a conundrum, but that's what this team has to figure out between now and Sunday when they go to Raleigh to take on NC State. How do we, in a game where we're not shooting well, which again is more the rule than the exception, how do we in those games create and carve out space for Armando to operate the way he needs to? How do we create and carve out space for RJ and Caleb to get downhill over and over and over again as they did when Omir was on the bench? That's got to be priority number one going forward well coming up i want to give you my four corners recap of this game and my shady stat of the game and we're going to do that in just a second but first this episode is brought to you by built bar are you looking for a delicious treat but you don't want all the fat and calories then you gotta try you gotta try a built bar we just got through the holidays a month or two ago and i don't know about you but i'm trying to eat more healthily this year. And if you're like me and you want to do that without compromising taste, Built Bar is for you. Because Built, with that, healthy is actually tasty. What makes it so good? Well, for starters, they cover every bar in 100% real chocolate. Oh, and check out these flavors. <laughs> Churro, peanut butter brownie, yes. And I'm not sure how they do it, but Built makes these taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. 
And now you don't got to wait around for a box to come from built.com because you can go get these at Sam's Club or Walmart. Do it. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Four Corners recap. Let's get right into this thing. Caleb Love, RJ Davis. Man, I loved, loved the attacking they were doing early. Um, even, Even early in the first half with Omir in there, they were working to get to the rim. And sometimes, like, Caleb was working to find his own shot. Others, he was leaving off for other people. Ultimately, Carolina didn't have enough assists, but early it was happening. The problem is that second half offense was what we talked about earlier. Just, it was just different and not there. Um, and so, so I love this attacking. I want to see it continue to happen, but it's, it's gotta be consistent. We, we talked about Saturday, the consistency that Carolina had across a full 40 minutes. That just didn't happen. You had another one of those lapses as Carolina's had, and then it was done and it was over. Number two in our four corners recap, Leaky Black was the best player on this team on Monday night. And quite frankly, it wasn't close as far as I'm concerned. And once again, it was on both ends of the floor for him. I I thought um, coming into the game that he would be guarding Leaky Jordan Miller, um, who ended up with 24 points and 11 rebounds and Carolina had no answer for him. But it's kind of like when we were trying to figure out what to do last year with AJ Griffin and Paolo Bancaro from Duke, where you can't cut Leaky in half and have him guard both these guys. And so Coach Davis understandably went with putting Leaky on Isaiah Wong, who's the leading scorer and best player on Miami's roster. Well, Leaky did his job. Wong, Wong finishes with 10 points, but only two of those were with uh, on plays where Leaky was actively his primary defender. And so, listen, you'll take that every day of the week. Leaky individually holding him down like this and having yet again another couple plays where it's just Leaky overwhelms uh, a really good player defensively. So that's the defensive side. Meanwhile, back on offense, Leaky's the one doing it. 13 points on six of nine shooting. One of two from three, nine rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers again, and three steals. What a great stat line from Leakey. He wasn't the leading scorer. That was RJ with 23. But just the, the fullness and completeness of that while not turning the ball over, so good. Speak like, and, and let's put this in a little context of, of multiple games here. Over the past five games, Leakey has 45 rebounds. He's averaging nine rebounds a game the past five games. Leakey Black is doing work there. Um, and, and just making some great plays. Like there, there was that play where um, little Joe Girard 2.0, Miami's trying to save the ball under Carolina's rim. Leakey just slides in, catches the pass, quick layup as Carolina's working to get back into it. Um, and ultimately they couldn't, but that cut it to nine points at 56-47 with still plenty of time to keep working. Um, here's the thing, though, about this. It's great when Leakey is contributing at this level offensively, but typically when he does that, it's a choice that you can see him make because somebody else on the team isn't scoring at their usual level, right? Like if, if Caleb, RJ, Mondo, 
Pete, whomever are doing their job, the other four, then it really frees Leaky up to all the more be invested in his defensive efforts. That wasn't the case. And I think that's part of why you see uh, his heightened attention to the offensive end. Four corners, point number three. Leaky did fantastic again on Isaiah Wong, but Carolina had no answer for Nigel Pack and his 23 points or Jordan Miller, as we said, in his 24 points and 11 rebounds. And this is part of what's confounding. Carolina comes into this game with a big height advantage over Miami. Um, Norchad O'Meara, the guy we talked about earlier, the center, the tallest player out on the court, was shorter than three of North Carolina starters, Leaky Pete and Mondo. And, and, and Carolina just couldn't find any way to take advantage of this. Is, is that an X and O's problem? Is that a coaching problem? Is that a a want-to problem of the players on the court of saying, hey, we're going to do it. I, th- I thought there were times where they worked at it. Uh, a couple times, Pete Nance tried to back his guy down. Uh, Leakey clearly had that advantage against Isaiah Wong defensively, but I just thought the Tarles didn't find enough room to take advantage of that uh, that height that they had. And, and part of it is just Miami's a really quick team, and that's the the lineup they have out there. So So I get that. Um, but man, Carolina just didn't have answers for these guys. And that bites you, that bites you in the butt. That is 47 of their points right there combined between those two players. Um, and, and part of it, like here, you notice Carolina cut it down to five with a minute three to go. And I, my thought was, Hey, at this point you play it out, see if you can get a stop. On, on this possession and score, and then maybe a foul on the next one, depending on how much time goes off the clock. Um, but Carolina chose to go ahead and foul and fouled Omir. Um, and I think the reason Coach Davis decided to go ahead and foul there is because Carolina had no answers defensively for those guys. And he's like, well, we're going to have better luck putting Norchad Omir and his 70% free throw shooting on the line. But it, it still... Didn't matter, but I, I think that's part of that. Uh, four corners recap number four details. Coach Davis has talked about this over and over and over again, but here's just like just a few little things. Like, because again, it's details, it's little things. You have to secure defensive rebounds. Carolina got burned by this multiple times in this game. Um, but Miami didn't, it's not like they had an overwhelming amount of offensive rebounds. They had eight, which is solid and good and turned it into 14, a very efficient 14 points off of those. So it's just under two points in offensive rebound, right? Um, after that first time Carolina fouled when they got Norchad O'Meara to miss, um, RJ throws the ball high to try to get over to the defender to Caleb and the ball sails off of the fingertips out of bounds. Um, I, I would put that on RJ for, for the pass. Um, but it, but it is those types of little things that are the details you got to take care of in the closing minutes, Carolina got a stop underneath the basket and they couldn't score. And it turned into Miami points. Um, first half Carolina would be up three and have an opportunity to go up by more and wouldn't take advantage of it because of some, mental error for example they're up 28 25 carolina gets a steal mondo has it and in and like instead of stopping to get the ball to a guard just kind of keeps going and i mean carolina is not 
Carolina in terms of transition this year. So it's not like they're trying to get out in a hurry and go like stop and get the ball to a guard. Nope. <clears throat> Didn't happen. Turnover. Miami scores and it's tied. So three pointer 28 all now details, details, details. All right. Shady stat of the game. Assist rate. 20.7% of Carolina's made baskets were assisted. The second lowest all season, all season long. The only one lower was the first game of the season against UNC Wilmington. So it's just like the three-point shooting. There's this ebb and flow with their assist percentage that is wild. It's wild, I tell you. Um, got, got to do better. Six assists on 29 made baskets. Again, just goes to show all of this not coming together as Carolina needs to do. Well, we have a few more things to wrap up, some odds and ends and some observations, some where do we go from here, and we are going to celebrate something wonderful that did happen in Carolina Athletics on Monday, and we're going to do that in just a second, but first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I've got Giannis on my fantasy team this year, so I'm going to take the over on his player prop points all week long. I also love FanDuel's two two by three bet, where uh, if there's two three-pointers in the first three minutes that go down, you'll win money. (laughs) Plus, FanDuel lets you even combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, a couple odds and ends from this game and a, a little bit of some where do we go from here. Number one, one of the things we talked about on yesterday's show on Monday was which of these two teams handles the Saturday-Monday back-to-back better? And man, everything pointed to Carolina as the team that should handle it better. They were the team that got both games at home. Miami played at home Saturday and then had to fly up to Chapel Hill from South Florida. Carolina played a better team on Saturday and looked better on Saturday. Carolina played Clemson 91 to 71. Um, Miami played Louisville and only beat them by eight. And so everything's pointing to, man, Carolina is the is the team that's primed and ready to handle this back-to-back better. Because, again, because of that blowout win, uh, so many minutes for reserves and things of that nature. Not to be, Miami was the aggressor all night long, it felt like. Uh, a second kind of odd and end. This was a weird game at halftime, and here's why. I think both teams felt like they hadn't done something that they would typically do in the first half that put them in a good position going forward to the second half. So here's what I mean. If you're Miami, you're up one at halftime and you're feeling good because again, Norchad O'Meara hasn't played the majority of the first half. 
If you're Carolina, you're feeling good because you're only down one and yet you've only shot one of three or excuse me, one of 11 from the three point line. And you're thinking, well, surely that's got to go up, right? Well, they made more, but (laughs) it wasn't percentage wise all that much better in the second half. And uh, Norchad O'Meara, on the other hand, made a massive difference in the second half. And so that played out in Miami's favor, not Carolina's. Um. I thought Caleb Love was great coming out in this game. Um, Once, as we said, I loved him and RJ attacking so much in the first half. I I didn't like them getting away from it in the second half, but they did it in the first. And Caleb in particular was responsible either by made basket or by assist for a good, good overwhelming majority of Carolina's first points. And I mean, there was all these points in the paint. So much of that was due to Caleb and and frankly, RJ too. But Caleb just had this responsibility for so many of the early points in the game. And it just didn't carry over. Uh, Another, another thing is the question I asked. um, Or that we've all been asking, I guess I should say really is, um, the, the bench time you're, you're getting a little bit more consistent of a rhythm where it's like, Hey, Puff and, and DeMarco typically come in together for, um, like RJ and Pete at the first time out. And then eventually it's going to be Jalen and then eventually Seth. That's kind of been the rhythm now. But when you look at the playing time, remember we, we were talking about like, Hey, Puff should probably be the one to get. Um, starters minutes over Pete, whether he's coming off the bench or not. When, when you look at the playing time from this game, all five starters had 30 plus minutes. Puff had 14. No one else had more than four minutes played. And so it's, it's inconceivable to me at this point. And so I'd, I'm just going to stop trying to guess and figure out what's going to happen. So where do you go from here? Well, Thankfully, you played on Monday. You don't play again until Sunday. So you got a lot of time to <laughs> heal up whatever's going on with Mondo again. His back freezing up. His Something's going on with his left wrist. Um, but but you got to turn around and get ready for Sunday at NC State um, because they're going to be ready. They're going to be hungry, and they're going to be chomping at the bit to go for the, uh, for this thing. And so... Carolina's got to figure out what we talked about earlier. How, on a day where you might not be shooting well, do you find ways to give Mondo the space to operate without people sagging in on him? And the only way, I mean, right now what I see is the only way to do that is you got to make shots. You just have to put the ball in the basket. And and if that's not happening with shooting, then you, you get to the rim and figure something else out. But you, you gotta, you have to get ready for Sunday at NC State. And then the other thing I would say is that you just can't pack it in, right? You you have to keep going. You don't know what's ahead. There's there's still regular season games to be played. There's still ACC tournament games to be played. You you just don't know at what point you might be able to truly legitimately put it together. Right now, you've lost four out of five, <laughs> and and things are looking bleak. But there, there are big games ahead. NC State, Virginia, Duke, all of these are possibilities. And you still got to go to Florida State and you still got to go to Notre Dame as well. But Carolina's got opportunities in front of them. So don't put it in. Don't pack it in. Excuse me. Keep, keep, keep on going. 
and hopefully good things will happen. Okay, on to our happy news, our good news. Yesterday on the show, we talked about how the women's tennis team was once again in the championship of the ITA indoors, and boy, did they win it with, frankly, their most dominating match of the uh, entire championship weekend. Let me, let me run this back through you, some of these numbers, because it's astounding. This was their fourth straight championship match of this event, the ITA Indoor. This was the ninth straight time they've been in the championship game, and they've won six of those nine. So four straight, and, and they've won six of the last nine national championships in the ITA Women's Indoors. The, the difference, ITA, what's that, versus NCAA? So NCAA is the one that you play at the end of like your regular season, just like everybody else. That would be the actual like collegiate NCAA national championship. Um, this is just a different entity, a different group that runs this uh, incredibly prestigious in college uh, tennis. And so big time, big time for what they do. But look at look at who they played and beat along the way. In the um, first round match that they played on Friday, they played number eight in the nation, Pepperdine, beat them four to two. On Saturday in the quarterfinals, beat 12th, in the nation, Michigan, four to one. Yesterday, Sunday, beat third in the nation, Texas A&M, in the semifinals, four to two. And then in yesterday's championship, and and this is tough to do because it's a team they just beat, but they knocked off Georgia 4-0, took the doubles point, and then the first three singles matches to finish. There there were a couple that that clearly Georgia was going to win, but they just didn't finish first. And so the score says 4-0 North Carolina. Way to go, ladies. Way to go, Brian Calvis. You guys are killing it. Maybe this is finally the year where they get over the hump and get that elusive NCAA team championship. Boy, wouldn't that be something would love to see it. But man, knocking off number eight in the nation, number 12 in the nation, number three in the nation, and number five in the nation in back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. That is something. Congrats, ladies, on this honor. Well-deserved and well-achieved. Can't wait to see what keeps going the rest of the season. And on that much happier note, we get out of here today. Coming up, this week, all sorts of great stuff. We're going to have Pat Kilby on tomorrow. We'll have Jason Jordan on Thursday. And then on Friday, we'll get you ready for the NC State game. You can send the show an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love to have your nominations for Heels of the Week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave some great comments. For your next listen of the day, check out our brand new podcast on the Locked On Network, Locked On College Basketball. Myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court in the landscape of college basketball, which is available anywhere you get podcasts. Make sure to check out Locked On College Basketball. Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday hanging out with me. Hopefully it was another cathartic counseling session for all of us trying to work through uh, what, what we're dealing with after this game. But on a more serious note, uh, just circling back around to the Michigan State stuff, um, continue, if you are a person of prayer, to lift them up. And uh, let's all think together about, uh, and not just think, but find action on how we can uh, find ways to make this country a better place to live. Hope you have a great day. And remember, it's always a great day to be at Tar Hill. Until tomorrow, peace. Peace.